Chapter 14 of Historical Mysteries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Historical Mysteries by Andrew Lang. Chapter 14 The End of Jean de la Motte. In the latest and best book on Marie Antoinette and the diamond necklace, L'Affaire du Collier, Monsieur Fonck Brentano does not tell the sequel of the story of Jeanne de la Motte, nay de Saint Remy, and calling herself de Valois. He leaves this wicked woman at the moment when, June twenty first, seventeen eighty six, she has been publicly flogged and branded, struggling, scratching, and biting like a wild cat. Her husband, at about the same time, was in Edinburgh, and had just escaped from being kidnapped by the French police. In another work, Monsieur Fonck-Brentano criticizes, with his remarkable learning, the conclusion of the history of Jean de la Motte. Carlyle, in his well-known essay, The Diamond Necklace, leaves Jean's later adventures obscure, and is in doubt as to the particulars of her death. Perhaps absolute certainty, except as to the cause of Jean's death, is not to be obtained. How she managed to escape from her prison, the Salpetriere, later so famous for Charcot's hypnotic experiments on hysterical female patients, remains a mystery. It was certain that if she was once at liberty, Jean would tell the lies against the queen which she had told before, and tell some more equally false, popular, and damaging. Yet escape she did in 1787, the year following that of her imprisonment at the Salpetriere. She reached England, compiled the libels which she called her memoirs, and died strangely in 1791. On June 21, 1786, to follow Monsieur Fonck-Brentanon, Jeanne was taken, after her flogging, to her prison, reserved for dissolute women, the majority of the captives slept as they might, confusedly, in one room. Toujon was allotted one of thirty-six little cells of six feet square, given up to her by a prisoner who went to join the promiscuous horde. Probably the woman was paid for this generosity by some partisan of Jean. On September 4th, the property of the swindler and of her husband— including their valuable furniture, jewels, books, and plate, was sold at Barsouab, where they had a house. So far we can go, guided by Monsieur Fonck-Brantano, who relies on authentic documents. For what followed we have only the story of Jeanne herself and her memoirs. I quote the English translation, which appears to vary from the French. How did such a dangerous prisoner make her escape? We cannot but wonder that she was not placed in a prison more secure. 
Her own version, of course, is not to be relied on. She would tell any tale that suited her purpose. A version which contradicts hers has reached me through the tradition of an English family, but it presents some difficulties. Jean says that about the end of November, or early in December, 1786, she was allowed to have a maid named Angelica. This woman was a prisoner of long standing, condemned on suspicion of having killed her child. One evening, a soldier on guard in the court of the Salpetriere passed his musket through a hole in the wall, or a broken window, and tried to touch Angelica. He told her that many people of rank were grateful to her for her kindness to Madame Lamotte. He would procure writing materials for her that she might represent her case to them. He did bring gilt-edged paper, pens and ink, and a letter for Angelica, who could not read. The letter contained, in invisible ink, brought out by Jean, the phrase, It is understood. Be sure to be discreet. People are intent on changing your condition, was another phrase which Jean applied to herself. She conceived the probable hypothesis that her victims, the Queen and the Cardinal de Rohan, had repented of their cruelty, had discovered her to be innocent, and were plotting for her escape. Of course, nothing could be more remote from the interests of the Queen. Presently the soldier brought another note. Jean must procure a model of the key that locked her cell and other doors. By dint of staring at the key in the hands of the nuns who looked after the prisoners, Jean, though unable to draw, made two sketches of it and sent them out, the useful soldier managing all communications. How Jean procured the necessary pencil she does not inform us. Practical locksmiths may decide whether it is likely that, from two amateur drawings— not to scale, any man could make a key which would fit the locks. The task appears impossible. In any case, in a few days the soldier pushed the key through the hole in the wall. Jean tried it on the door of her cell, and on two doors in the passages, found that it opened them, and knelt in gratitude before her crucifix. In place of running away, Jean now wrote to ladies of her acquaintance, begging them to procure the release of Angelica. Her nights she spent in writing three statements for the woman, each occupying a hundred and eighty pages, presumably of gilt-edged paper. Soon she heard that the king had signed Angelica's pardon, and on May 1st the woman was released. The next move of Jean was to ask her unknown friend outside to send her a complete male costume, a large blue coat, a flannel waistcoat, a pair of half-boots, and a tall, round-shaped hat, with a switch. The soldier presently pushed these commodities through the hole in the wall. The chaplain next asked her to write out all her story, but Sister Martha, her custodian, would not give her writing materials. 
and it did not apparently occur to her to bid the soldier bring fresh supplies. Cut off from the joys of literary composition, Jeanne arranged with her unknown friend to escape on June 8th. First the handy soldier, having ample leisure, was to walk for days about the king's garden, disguised as a wagoner, and carrying a whip. The use of this maneuver is not apparent, unless Jeanne, with her switch, was to be mistaken for the familiar presence of the carter. Jeanne ended by devising a means of keeping one of the female porters away from her door. She dressed as a man, opened four doors in succession, walked through a group of the nuns, or sisters, wandered into many other courts, and at last joined herself to a crowd of sight-seeing Parisians and left the prison in their company. She crossed the Seine, and now walking, now hiring coaches and using various disguises, she reached Luxembourg. Here, a Mrs. McMahon met her, bringing a note from Monsieur de Lamotte. This was on July 27th. Mrs. McMahon and Jean started next day for Ostend, and arrived at Dover after a passage of forty-two hours. Jean then repaired with Mr. McMahon to that lady's house in the Haymarket. This tale is neither coherent nor credible. On the other hand, the tradition of an English family avers that a Devonshire gentleman was asked by an important personage in France to succor an unnamed lady who was being smuggled over in a sailing boat to our southwest coast. Another gentleman, not unknown to history, actually entertained this French angel unawares, not even knowing her name, and Jean, when she departed for London, left a miniature of herself which is still in the possession of the English family. Which tale is true? And who was the unknown friend that suborned the versatile soldier, and sent in not only gilt-edged paper and a suit of male attire, but money for Jean's journey? Only the liberals in France had an interest in Jean's escape, she might exude more useful venom against the queen in books or pamphlets, and she did, while giving the world to understand that the queen had favoured her flight. The escape is the real mystery of the affair of the necklace. The rest we now understand. The death of Jeanne was strange. The sequel to her memoirs, in English, avers that in 1791... A bailiff came to arrest her for a debt of thirty shillings. She gave him a bottle of wine, slipped from the room, and locked him in. But he managed to get out and discovered the wretched woman in a chamber in the two-pair back. She threw up the window, leapt out, struck against a tree, broke one knee, shattered one thigh, knocked one eye out, yet was recovering when on August 21st, 1791, she partook too freely of mulberries, to which she was very partial, and died on Tuesday, August 23rd. 
This is confirmed by two newspaper paragraphs, which I cite in full. First, the London Chronicle writes, from Saturday, August 27th to Tuesday, August 30th, 1791, the unfortunate Countess de Lamotte, who died on Tuesday last, in consequence of a hurt from jumping out of a window, was the wife of Count de Lamotte, who killed young Grey, the jeweller, in a duel a few days ago at Brussels. This duel is recorded in the London Chronicle, August 20th through 23rd. Next, the public advertiser remarks, Friday, August 26th, 1791, the noted Countess de Lamotte, of necklace memory, and who lately jumped out of a two-pair-of-stairs window to avoid the bailiffs, died on Tuesday night last at eleven o'clock at her lodgings near Astley's riding school. But why did Lamotte fight the young jeweller? It was to Gray of New Bond Street that Lamotte sold a number of the diamonds from the necklace. Gray gave evidence to that fact, and Lamotte killed him. Lamotte himself lived to a bad old age. On studying Monsieur Fonck-Brentano's work, styled Cagliostro and Company, in the English translation, one observes a curious discrepancy. According to the Gazette d'Utrecht, cited by Monsieur Fonck-Brentano, the window in Jean's cell was at a height of ten feet above the floor. Yet the useful soldier outside introduced the end of his musket through a broken pane of glass. This does not seem plausible. Again, the Gazette d'Utrecht, August 1st, 1780, says that Jeanne made a hole in the wall of her room, but failed to get her body through that aperture. Was that the hole through which, in the English translation published after Jean's death, the soldier introduced the end of his musket? There are difficulties in both versions, and it is not likely that Jean gave a truthful account of her escape. End of chapter 14 Read by The Story Girl End of Historical Mysteries by Andrew Lang.